RadioInfluence.com. Hello, pretty ladies. I'm Talia Keen, your host of Instant Pretty Podcast, here again with Abby Kiefer, your loyal co-host. <laughs> and uh, welcome. Our, our, again, just as a reminder, this is a podcast number two, but our aim is to inform the, the public of current beauty trends and dig into the science, application, purpose, and average pricing for beauty services. So what are we discussing today, Talia? Well, what I want to discuss... We'll probably, we might go off on a tangent and down a rabbit hole, but we're going to start off talking about skin exfoliation. Cool. And primarily on the face. We're not going to, I don't think we're going to go below the neck on this one. Well, always the neck and the decollete, right? <laughs> well, sure. We're not going, we're not, we're staying above the breastbone and <laughs> so forth. Okay. So we, we are going to talk about different types of exfoliants today, how to use and when to use. Uh, and then we're, we'll be talking about home uh, products and also professional products. So if you didn't listen to podcast one and know who the heck I am, I have 17 years of experience in the skincare world as a trainer, a director for a uh, skincare company. I have my own cosmetic line, Keen Cosmetics as well, plus owner of Lash Spa Studio in Tampa, Florida. We do offer skincare services along with lash extensions. Abby is also a fellow, a fellow, Esthetician. I've been an esthetician since I believe 2013. I need to look at my license. But I consider myself a non esthetician esthetician in the sense that when I learned how to do lashes, I literally went in and shredded every skincare knowledge <laughs> that I have. So even though I'm licensed, I'll be asking Talia, you know, in layman's terms, what does this mean? Well, but you do care about your skin. Oh, yeah, I for do sure. Say that, so. I definitely care about my skin. And you do a lot of research. Yeah. And you you even bring things to me all the time that I'm like, huh? Huh? What's that? <laughs> let, me go, let me go find out. Let me go research. So uh, let's talk about home care first. I get asked all the time how to exfoliate at home. And my answer always is minimally. And if you ever meet me, that will always be my answer to skincare in general. I want to keep it simple. Unless you have a very specific con- condition, I'm only going to sell you a couple of products to get started. I want you to look at your skin as an accessory in the end where it's going to be just a very simple process for you to gain these these benefits, uh, long-term benefits. With, with that said, your home regimen definitely is needed, just as Abby pointed out before. You're, you go to the dentist you know, once, once a year, twice a year, and you're the other you know, times you obviously have to do something at home. Mm-hmm. And in my case, you might see me every four to six weeks. Well, all the other days you have to be doing something uh, in your skincare regimen, in your home life. So to... To improve. really see the benefits. Truly. I mean, you, you have to do something at home. You can't just rely on Talia for all the heavy right. lifting. Yeah. But there are things that you can do in a minimal um, uh, time frame and mindset. So let's talk about scrubs. I don't like them, yeah. personally, because I think there's lots of scrubs on the market that claim to do this, that, and the other. I think a lot of times they wind up harming the skin more mm-hmm. than anything else, especially when you're dealing with seeds or kernels. Oh, like that St. Ives? Yeah, the apricot scrub. Do you know how many do times not, I've heard? Do not use that. Well, because they're made of shards. Yeah. So if you think you're scrubbing that, and if you put any pressure on that, you're causing little tiny abrasions all over your skin. Mm-hmm. They can get lodged in your skin. Especially people that have acne, I think they feel like they need to exfoliate even more so. Well, even, I also feel like people think um, 
more is more or like more right. is better when it comes to like exfoliation and like they want to really feel that like abrasiveness right. but it's like with that St. Ives stuff that is some heavy duty stuff which is not well it's good. yeah it's not um it's not good for your skin at all so if you have it at home throw it away please do yourself a favor and toss it or use it for your feet actually you could use the it feet for your are, feet the feet is good well because you have different skin on your feet you know sure you're not gonna you don't have you know 10,000 pores on mm-hmm. your feet well you might but I don't think so but Tully's not different a, pores she's not a foot <laughs> foot, foot specialist <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different category <laughs> in my world but use it somewhere else instead of your face um, but there are certain scrubs out there that have beads, and they could be silica beads or something along those lines that are very gentle, mm-hmm. and you can use those a couple of days a week. Don't use it every day. And the reason why I say don't use a scrub every single day is because it tricks your skin, and it tricks the acid mantle, which is the pH of your skin on the upper la- layer of your skin, to be drier than it, it normally is. So it's going to overproduce oil, so you're getting into this vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And this applies to chemical peels to uh, cleansers that have chemical peels within them, toners and across the board. So you want to keep your acid mantle at a good pH. So for skin, it's between four and a half to five and a half pH. And acid, if you're going to be using it, is a lower pH, which helps to lift the impurities, but you don't want to overdo it because you will start stripping your skin and your skin will react in a poor way. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with uh, the the type of scrubs that you know have a sort of silica bead which is they are manufactured in a very circular way right so there's no it's edges even right exactly what do you use do you do you use an exfoliant um i use a like um like a silicone facial scrubber like, like a, a vibrating like, one yeah okay we will be getting to that yeah yeah and i like those a lot um, I'm going to talk about also gommage. Have you ever heard of gommage before? Yeah, briefly in school. It's like the rolling, like it's a rolling mask or you Correct. put it on. And- it is a silicone-based product. A little goes a long way. You put a, a very light layer across your skin. Gommage is usually in an what they call an in-cabin application, which means at a professional location. But you can purchase some. Some brands have gommage Um that you can purchase at home. Is that home. a French word, gommage? It is. It's gommage. It's means for, it does mean it's kind of like a friction or, mm-hmm. or rubbing. So what you do is it goes on a little damp, and then as you're moving your fingertips up and down along the skin, you, you'll start to see the product roll, and it's rolling your dead skin off with it. It's a really gentle way to exfoliate your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for around the neck region, too, where your neck tissue tends to be a little bit more delicate. So I do love gommage. Um, and then onto electric brushes. So this, again, is at home uses. Uh, probably the most popular one is Clarisonic. Yeah. And that also has um, a vibrating or an ionic. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. ionic in it? Where it actually vibrates the dead skin off yeah. while it's rotating. Now, with the Clarisonic brush, again, I, don't, I think every night's overkill, mm-hmm. personally. Um, I do recommend a few times a week and only use a gentle cleanser with it for two reasons. The fact that you're causing, you're using a brush to exfoliate is plenty. Mm-hmm. You don't need to then add a, you know, an acne cleanser to it. Right. Secondly, it'll break the brush head down faster mm-hmm. because of the chemicals if you're using an acne um, cleanser. Um, what are your thoughts on spinning brushes like a Clarisonic versus like the silicone sonic like vibrating ones where it doesn't have like a replaceable brush head? Um 
I think the brush is more effective, mm-hmm. but again, if you're kind of have decent skin or nice skin like you do, you know, you don't need to overdo it. So again, it's what in that scenario, it's vibrating mm-hmm. the dead skins off opposed to getting into there and getting at the pores. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess it just it depends on what your depends on price point too. Because I know with the Clarisonic, you have to get the brush, the head replacement. You know, you don't want to sit there and use the same head. No, yeah, yeah. You want want to replace it just like you would a toothbrush, right? So you don't want to keep it in a damp location, first of all. So you don't want to keep it in your shower. The replacement head, I think, uh, the last time I checked was about twenty four dollars. Mm-hmm. But Clarisonic has been. They were bought out by. Um, I want to say they were bought out by Skinceuticals a number of years ago. Oh, I love And then they went into Ulta's and everything yeah. like that. Because they used to only be and able to... And you can get, of course, off-brand ones. They don't yeah, have yeah, to be yeah. Clarisonic. Totally. Clarisonic. But the Clarisonic, you know, just a, a little history that I'm aware of. And, you know, I, I might be wrong. But so Skinceuticals purchased them, which expanded their, um, their reach and were only in professional locations, but then Ulta started selling them as well. So you can pretty much get Clarisonic anywhere these days. It used to be more of an exclusive thing, um, but you like you said, there's tons of off-brands mm-hmm. too. There's even manual ones. And if you want to, that's fine. But I guess my whole point in this is use it minimally, only a couple times a week, because you just you want to protect your your pH of your skin. And this is, if you talk to professionals and they know what they're talking about when it comes to exfoliation, you, that's a biggie in in the uh, skin world is to protect your pH. Because that way, and, and you can already have, you can have a low pH naturally if you're acneic. You mm-hmm. can run in like a three to three and a half. And that's where you're overproducing oil all the time, all the time, all the time. And then my job would be is to get you more on the alkaline side um, or get you up, you know, one or two pH percentages. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. We talked about the brush head and replacing that at about $24. I think the Clarisonics run anywhere from $99 to $159 last time I checked. But mm-hmm. again, you could probably get them on a Groupon site or something like that. Something I've, seen them at, I've seen like off brands at like Marshalls or $29 or something. Yeah. Okay. So um, again, leave it in a dry place though. So not your shower. Let it dry every single time you use it because it'll harbor bacteria. Mm-hmm. And then that will just be... A mess in its own right. Mm-hmm. So um, cleansers, this is something that when I sell a cleanser to a client, I will say keep it simple again, unless they have a very specific issue such as rosacea, uh, acne, um, if they're sensitive to say vitamin C's, things of that nature. But other than that, just use a simple cleanser. And we certainly sell cleansers at our location, but you don't need to break the bank with a cleanser. Well, I was taught in um, at the school that I went to is you don't want to spend a lot of money on a cleanser because you're washing it away. It's like spend your money on like a serum or something that's going to sit on your skin as opposed to a cleanser that you're rinsing off. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah, you could think of it that way. Uh, you know, but it, it does have what they call a surfactant mm-hmm. or surfactant. Some people <laughs> say it sounds awfully dirty. <laughs> This is not that kind of podcast. Maybe it will be. We're we're uh, gonna we're airing at twelve o'clock tonight. <laughs> um, anyhow, the it, so it does attract oil. That's that's the beauty of using a cleanser, and for everybody should be using a cleanser. But yes, you don't have to break the bank. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You can go to a drugstore even. If I have a client that's like, look, I only have this is my budget. Mm-hmm. Where do I need to spend it? 
I'll say, go get XYZ at Walgreens or something, but this is where you really need to spend the money. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you need to purchase a professional product. But there are products um, with the salicylic and glycolic in them that are very effective. Like say you have chronic acne and very oily. Say you're just extremely oily as well. Maybe you don't have acne, but you have very, very oily skin or even thick encrusted skin in certain areas. And we in Florida here... you know, we have two seasons, hot and less hot. <laughs> but when you're dealing with someone that has four seasons, they really need to change right. up their regimen probably about three times a year. So like in the winter months, do a more hydrating cleanser? Yeah, or just even, again, a gentle cleanser. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, very rarely will I have a moisturizing cleanser that I sell. I mean, even when I'm working up north, just a gentle cleanser is good. But we do have salicylic cleansers and we have glycolic cleansers. And I want to talk to you about when the possibility of using these cleansers or when's the most effective time to use the cleanser with more of these aggressive ingredients inside. And when I say aggressive, you're still only looking at like 2%, mm-hmm. maybe 3% of the actual chemical peel within it, but it's intended because it still has to be safe around your eyes and you don't, you know, it's it can't be used on the on the regular public unless it's used by a professional to be a higher percentage. So that's an FDA thing as well. But this should be used in, at night. So say, imagine yourself, full face of makeup, all the dirt from the day, your which dog you licked your which face. Which you should always wash your face before bed. <laughs> well, of course. But particularly if you're going to use one of these cleansers, you do it at night. You use yeah. the heavy hitters at night, and then you use a light serum or whatnot, depending on what your skincare needs are, before you go to bed. In the morning, you really shouldn't have to do much. Right, you know, and, and a I, gentle cleanser is enough in the morning. And your skin regenerates itself at night, correct? Well, things that when you're trying to make changes, such as like when you use retinol, things like that, you want to use it in the resting state. Mm-hmm. So you're resting at night, and like you said, things regenerate. They have the the environment to regenerate much easier. So yes, you want to use those types of things. But what my point is, you have all the gunk from the day. Yeah. You use your heavy hitter at night. If you use your glycolic and salicylic in the morning again, you're then stripping your skin. Your skin will rebalance itself overnight. Maybe that's what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, Rebalancing yourself overnight. So that's where you can play with it a little bit. And when you don't need as much moisture, your skin will go back to what it's supposed to be acid mantle wise overnight so in the morning time it really should just be very quick and easy just a, a light cleanser use this use a salicylic glycolic you could start perpetuating an oil fest so what's the difference between salicylic or glycolic like if you don't know okay um salicylic and uh they're both obviously chemical peels they are they are manufactured they're typically synthetic but they are from um, a natural ingredient. So salicylic is from the salix plant. Also aspirin is made out of it. So if you have an aspirin allergy, especially if you're doing a high percentage salicylic peel, I always ask if you have an aspirin allergy. It'll cause inflammation, redness, and almost almost an itchiness like mm-hmm. a niacin. And then glycolic is um, it's from uh, sugarcane. So again, it's manufactured and stabilized. So it is a synthetic product, but it does come from an actual plant source. Salicylic is a very small molecule, so it penetrates deeply and quickly. And why it's effective on oil skin, oily skin, is because it does penetrates deep down into the pore quickly and kills that bacteria. Glycolic is a larger molecule. It sits on the skin longer. So say, for example, if you use a glycolic wash, you want to let it sit for a minute. It slowly penetrates, and it's mm-hmm. not as reactive. So glycolic's great for 
every skin type just about because even if you're sensitive you can generally handle it because it's a very very slow penetration rate so there's basically two kinds of exfoliation you have your your chemical correct which are going to be like the salicylic glycolic lactic and then you have your manual which are going to be like your scrubs your spinning brush heads your sonic cleansers right correct that's the main two i mean you can also look at lasers as being a third option Uh but yeah those are those are the main two either a manual or a chemical reaction and usually with a manual obviously it's just polishing the skin right really addressing chemical goes down deeper correct the molecular size. Just think of everything in skincare as a as a molecular size. If you're when you're dealing even with products. So uh, yeah, any questions beyond that? Um, how often should people use like a salicylic or actually how often should people get a chemical peel? Okay, so we are going to go to the professional side of it, mm-hmm. and um, that is. Uh, most of my clients come between every four to eight weeks. And, and that's because it, that's how long the skin takes to regenerate itself? Well, a skin cycle on a healthy person is six weeks. But if you're trying to be aggressive, I want to see them back in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So just on the heels, you'll hear, you've probably heard me say this exact s- statement, just on the heels of healing, I want to hit you again with it. Mm-hmm. With it. So we're aggressive in what we're trying to achieve, whether it's pigmentation, um, acne, you know, laxity in skin, um, anti-aging that sort of thing so it kind of just totally depends it also depends on your lifestyle hey if you're you know you talk in front of pepsi or Mm -hmm. coca-cola three times a year we got to make sure you're not going to be peeling your face off (laughs) when you're in you know doing that or you're an actress on high def tv you know or if you have a hot date (laughs) or if you have a hot date (laughs) i got a chemical peel from talia one time and did not plan my dates accordingly and thank god my boyfriend's so sweet but it was right when we were starting uh, starting out and i had a he took me to a hockey game and i had like sheets coming off my face and like the hat was not helping and i thought maybe if i would like put some put some makeup on it would do something but it just did not help and you had that big red oh my god it was terrible and of course he's like mr popular so i'm meeting all these people like oh hi nice to meet you i'm like please don't look at me I know I'm ugly, <laughs> but then my skin was beautiful after. So, oh, that's funny. And I, I got a boyfriend out of it. So, <laughs> wow, I guess that's a, the point of the story is do chemical peels. <laughs> you'll get a good, you'll get a good boyfriend. That's funny. So, um, yeah. So, you know, kind of just depends on what the what the goal is and people's lifestyle. So you just got to ask a lot of questions when people come in, and if it's the first time, even my existing clients, if they're saying, "Look, I really need to do something. I need to step this up a little bit." I'll say, what are you doing in the next 10 days Mm -hmm. or something along those lines? So some peels you don't peel at all and everybody peels a little bit different. So if we use a strong peel, some people peel a ton. And just because because you don't peel doesn't mean it's not working. Correct. Which I feel like is a misconception. People are like, oh, uh, it it didn't work because I didn't peel. Well, hence the name. But some of it's not visible. Mm -hmm. So if you do... I feel like people are just so like visual, like they want to see the things. But with the chemical products you know it's happening below right right and it totally depends i mean my favorite chemical peel is a jesner because it's what they call a cocktail peel so you have four different ingredients inside the peel it's set in a layering process so say for example you come in i've never seen you before i'll probably just do two layers but if you're my regular and say you've had these done quarterly or so forth, I might do four layers. Because you can't just jump in and be like, hi, give me a four layers of a Jesner, please. Like, you have to work up to it, right? Well, it's not necessarily that. I'm after safety first, uh-huh. because if I don't know you and don't know 
if I haven't touched your skin before and don't know anything about your skin, then I'm certainly not going to put you in jeopardy just right. you know, haphazardly. It still will do something. That's the beauty. Generally, when I first, first time seeing people is they'll have a lot of peeling even at two layers because there's so much protein buildup over time. And they're not, their skin's not used to it, right? Exactly. So it, it does shock the skin. So mm-hmm. you're dropping it about, you know, two, three pHs. It depends. Jessner's usually at like a 1.8. And that's exponential. So if our skin is normally at a four and a half to a five, it's exponentially lower in your pH. Mm-hmm. So it does. And it's, it's by design. It's totally by design to shock your skin in that way. So I call it a controlled trauma to the skin. And what that does is it regenerates, it sends a signal to your skin saying, hey, oh my gosh, there's a wound. It Mm -hmm. registers that as a wound. And then it says, we need to make more collagen. We need to make more fibroblasts. We need to make more elastin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that what they sound like? They sound just like that. (laughs) Meet me here at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I love Jesner peels, but I do all kinds of peels. Some people don't want to peel. Maybe they just want a nice, refreshing, you know. Well, the good news is when you, when I was getting that uh, traumatic one, not that it was traumatic, <laughs> but when my face was falling off on my date, the day I got the peel, and the next day, it looked beautiful. My yeah. skin was glowing. That's true. You know, I was, sh- like, not, like, shiny, oily, but just, like, really Tight pretty and yeah it just it, it glowing frankly and then, and then day three hits and, and you're like, then <laughs> your skin gets like really tight you can barely move it and then any movement you do have you start like getting those like wrinkles set in i mean you get like crappy. grandma skin yeah and then you just bust out <laughs> <laughs> all right great sorry abby i tra- traumatized you <laughs> i don't think i ever heard that story before oh when you first met that guy. I suppressed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all coming out in this podcast. Lovely. It's therapy. <laughs> okay, so a couple of the chemical peels you may have heard of are salicylic. We were talking about molecular size. That's really good for oily or acneic skin because it penetrates quickly. However, it does produce redness when it is applied to the skin. And not all peels, just because it's salicylic, not all peels are the same. There's two factors in a chemical peel the pH and the percentage. So you can have a salicylic at 20%, but a pH of 2.0 that's stronger than a 30% salicylic and a pH of three and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the pH really, really makes the difference in a peel. But if you, say for glycolic, for example, which is great for all skin types, there are some what they call free, free range chemicals within it, which is like 70, 80% glycolic, those are intense. Mm -hmm. But you do a 30% glycolic, you can do that with dermaplaning, no problem. Um, Again, it kind of comes back to those two factors, percentage and pH. Mandelic is great. Um, It is kind of a, it's a, it's a very gentle cleanser. I'm sorry, gentle chemical peel. It's not like an enzyme. enzyme. It's a step up from an enzyme, an Mm -hmm. enzyme being a fruit-based chemical peel. What is mandelic? Almonds. Okay. Okay. Um, darker skin types and sensitive skin. So it really can be used on all skin types. It's a beautiful peel. It's it's a large molecule. It's very slow penetrating, but it's really great if you have darker skin um, to safely peel the skin. Right. So I love I love the mandelic. We have lactic, which is uh, aging skin or dry skin. Lactic is a moisturizing chemical peel. I know that sounds bizarre, but it is. Again, large molecule has great factors uh, just for just a monthly use type of peel. 
Um, and then we talked about the je- the Jesner as well. We do have Fittic. Fittic is, you know, it's kind of in those cocktail peels nowadays, and it's good for pigmentation, but you're usually going to find it coupled with like a lactic. Right. Okay. Um, so those are some of the chemical peels out there. They're the most popular. There are others. Um, you know, really, there's every company has their own level of these different peels, these professional companies. And, you know, they'll all claim certain benefits. Mm-hmm. But in general, they're all going to fall into these key ingredients here in some way or another. So if you're familiar or if you're your esthetician is familiar with the actual composition and how to use them, then you'll have a very effective um, peel in mind. Also, dermaplaning is something that is wildly popular. I've been doing it for probably over 10 years. I feel like it's really popular right now. Like yeah. I, I have clients that are like, have you ever heard of dermaplaning? Also sometimes called dermablading. Does it matter the difference between the two no. words? No, it doesn't. And what's funny is, so I, I was trained in Atlanta to dermaplane, and we would dermaplane before like everything (laughs) like especially laser ipl i mean microdermabrasion we dermaplane so i came down here and moved down here and no one was dermaplaning so i was able to build a pretty strong Mm -hmm. business by just saying hey i dermaplane what it is is it's actually a scalpel that is placed on a handle it's a single-use scalpel and you uh you scrape off the dead skin so there's no downtime there's no redness there's no friction that's going to cause redness such as microdermabrasion may do um it can be used in all skin types i can go over areas multiple times to get as much dead skin off of which you can't always you can't do that with microdermabrasion right you know one pass and done well no you can do up to three passes with microdermabrasion it depends on your settings mm-hmm. like if you want to do a polish factor or something but um it can be like you can't go over acne you can't go over rosacea with microdermabrasion indications for them exactly so microdermabrasion to me is a little old school these days uh, I can accomplish everything and more with dermaplaning plus the beauty is it takes off the vellus hair so mm-hmm. if you have facial hair um, it takes that off it makes your makeup go on beautifully and, and it doesn't fuzz. and it doesn't make it grow back definitely not no which that's is a myth a, which is a huge thing people are like I don't want to shave my face yeah I don't want to grow a beard but it's different kinds of hair. It's different hair and the application because just we're getting underneath uh, it w- with a pressure. So when the hair co- grows back through the follicle, it's growing back at a point again. So you're not getting that harsh, that blunt, that blunt edge because it's very sharp. Um, but it's a fantastic service. I it mean, makes your makeup go on so smooth. It's addictive. And it helps your products penetrate better. Correct. Makes your skin feel super soft. I should probably. And you can do a light peel done. with it as well sometimes what i'll do is i if i'm doing a stronger peel i'll dermaplane after Mm -hmm. so if i'm it's a type of peel i'm neutralizing in in the room then i'll dermaplane after so the people can get the vellus hair off but if i'm doing a strong peel i'll see them seven to ten days later and i just add the dermaplaning in for free that dead skin off yep i can just just today for example this woman's like well i didn't really feel like i peeled as much and some people will say that and then when i start dermaplaning all the skin that's Mm -hmm. just been attached just starts as we get older our skin doesn't shed as easily before when well, we were younger, right? Everything slows. slows down. Yeah. Everything, everything slows That's down. why the babies have the good skin. <laughs> yeah, the bitches. <laughs> they All don't right. deserve it. <laughs> I know. That, what is it? The, what, the youth is wasted on the young or the young is wasted on the youth, something like that. No, but um, yeah, so things do slow down. But this dermaplaning won't, it's not like a chemical peel where it's going to stimulate 
collagen and so forth. If you hear that, it is a load of crap. Mm-hmm. It's not that way. What it's doing is it's just exfoliating that top layer of skin and removing the vellus hair for you. Surface level. Correct. So it's a great monthly service to have done. Um, you know, so, and especially like if people are using, as they're aging, if they're using a hormone replacement or even Retin-A can increase hair production for some people, mm-hmm. it's really good to get rid of. It's, it doesn't, you can avoid waxing and that redness and the harshness of waxing. And, you know, it's just a, it's an easy service. You just, you can have it done the night before you go out. Yeah. So, or done the day of the night that you go out as mm-hmm. well, because there's just no downtime at all. All right. What about lasers? Well, we have, there's all kinds of lasers out these days. There's um, things such as Fraxel. Mm-hmm. Oh, we haven't even talked about microneedling. It wasn't even, oh. now it's microneedling. That's hot right now. Very hot. So hot. So hot. <laughs> We're here at midnight. <laughs> That's going to be our new tagline. See you at midnight. See you at midnight. Um, so lasers, there's ablative and non-ablative. Non-ablative is when it's not removing the entire layer of skin. So a Fraxel would fall under non-ablative. What Fraxel does is it causes perforations through a laser process in the skin. It's pretty painful, I will say. You do want to be numbed ahead of time. And uh, what it does is it's almost like aerating the skin, just like you would aerate aerate your lawn with Mm -hmm. the shoes you're moving the laser back and forth and there's a pattern you go up and down sideways and then you do it twice you can do two rounds of it which is a pretty aggressive treatment and um, that is still considered non-ablative even though a lot of the skin is being removed benefits of that pigmentation mostly mostly Mm anti-aging for laxity of skin then you have um Ablative, which is removing like a CO2 laser, which is removing the entire layer, if not two layers of the skin. You have significant downtime with that. You have a lot of swelling. A lot of times people get that done when they get a facelift mm-hmm. because it's they're going to be healing anyhow from the facelift. And typically it's the worst part of a facelift. It's what makes you look like one of those Cupid dolls because mm-hmm. you, you're so swollen. And that's usually the ablative laser technique. CO2 used to be popular in the 50s and 60s. And then a lot of people were getting a white pattern around there, like basically scar tissue. And CO2 has made a really strong comeback in the last, I would say, five years or so, where it's really effective. But again, most of it's performed by either physicians, PAs or NPs, um, nurse practitioners, depends on your state Mm -hmm. and their regulations. Here in our state, um, definitely it's an NP, uh, a physician or a PA. And usually the PA and NP have to be under physician supervision. So, uh, yeah, those are kind of some laser options you have. Microneedling, uh, we'll finish the show with microneedling. It's, um, it uses a series of stainless steel needles, and it is in a vibrating, almost like a sewing machine um, method, similar to like a tattoo machine. Mm-hmm. It goes back and forth okay and you have different settings you have anywhere from a 0.5 millimeter to two and a half i think it goes some companies even sell up to three millimeter and it's usually on the wand itself or the handle that you have that where you can adjust the dimension or the depth rather of the needle so it's a single use head that you put on for each client and then you adjust you can do two or three passes you definitely need to be numbed ahead of time Mm -hmm. um this takes Fraxel and kind of a similar principle, and you're aerating that um, skin, that layer of skin again. There's some swelling after. It is 
I think just a easier service than Fraxel these days. I think it's kind of taking place of Fraxel. Some people may think otherwise, but I think it's certainly taking place because you've got very similar healing patterns. So when you're healing and those small perforations are starting to heal, it almost feel like sandpaper. Mm-hmm. Some people sh- will will peel, but most people just feel that sandpaper. And then as your the days go on, um, the next few days, you just wash your face and that just slowly starts to be removed. The beauty of microneedling or even Fraxel is that you have months of improvement after. So where people may want to do a series, which isn't uh, too bad. I don't usually do a series uh, like over three because mm-hmm. I want to be able to see the progress and adjust. I would rarely sell someone a series of six of anything because maybe we need to change our course. Yeah. Um, so you'll have months and months, like probably four to five months to of benefits, even if you just got one microneedling service. So it increases the dermal, uh, the dermal layer and makes it stronger. Um, will you talk about PRP or vampire facials? Because I feel like that's sure. kind of like the trend right now in terms of like the new hot sure it's not what it wouldn't fall under the exfoliation category it'd fall under the anti-aging category okay now some people do microneedle before they do prp Mm -hmm. and prp is um, basically it's taking your own blood spinning it collecting the plasma and re-injecting it into your face have you heard of that before buddy So it's also called the vampire. But the vampire peel is something, there's actually one other process that I, I actually have never seen before because that's what co- produces so, but the But microneedling does not require you to get your blood drawn, right? No, it does not require you. But PRP, a lot of doctors will do microneedling before they do the PRP injections. So it's just an added thing? Correct. Gotcha. People love it, I will say. It's it's bloody um, it's lengthy, but people really do love the PRP treatment. And that's physician-driven. That's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there might be MPs or PAs doing it here as well. But in this state, it has to be one of those. Yeah. You can't just have that done by an esthetician. But there's a whole spinning process that is slowly spinning your plasma out over and over and over. And then they take the very um, the very end, the liquid that's left, it, they then apply it topically to your skin. It's it's pretty impressive, and and what it does, but it is it's not really exfoliation; it's more anti aging. So we'll and again, in, we'll get into that anti aging. Yeah, and again, that you see results months and months after. That's what the beauty of some of these more intense uh, services are. But yes, so that's exfoliation, y'all. All right, you good, Abby? Any I'm other good. questions? No. All right. Well, we're signing off from Tampa, Florida. I'm Talia. And I'm Abby. And stay pretty, America. (laughs) See you up at night. (laughs) This is a Forking Around Town with Tracy Guida Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Have you been to Rue for their brunch? It's funny you say that. I went there two weeks ago for their brunch, and I went there not thinking of anything, and uh, I built my own omelet, and it was one of the better omelets I've ever had. 
Like, I don't know what the chef did to the omelet. I think I, I had some kind of meat in it. I had some smoked gouda and something else, some onions or something. Yeah. And he just made that omelet fluffy and, and amazing. Rue just has a wonderful food to me. Up they and, do. Up and they down. do a great job. Really, really good. They Absolutely. do a great job. And I know Dats on Sundays, they serve their brunch menu all day, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool because I'm one of those people, I get cravings for breakfast foods sure. at night. Sure. I like to do breakfast for dinner sometimes. Yeah, I'm a... Uh, if there's one thing I crave, and I don't crave a lot, like I tell you, I don't crave tacos, and there's certain things I don't crave. I'll crave hash. I'll I'll crave uh, corned beef hash, like good corned beef hash and some eggs. Oh to yeah, me. yeah. Trouble. Love corned beef hash. Forking around town with Tracy Guida can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.